everybody, it's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge: Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, welcome to Roundtable, where we serve up piping hot debates on the issues that sizzle in China and beyond. I'm Niu Honglin, sitting in for He Yang. Coming up on today's show, we explore the remarkable cultural exchanges between China and the U.S., focusing on the unique experiences of artists and scholars who have bridged these two nations. In a world where cultures intertwine, creativity knows no borders, and art becomes a universal language, we can all have faith in a better future. And we have something special prepared for you. Our very own Yu Shun has visited NYU Shanghai and have talked to some teachers and students about their experiences of studying in an American-style university in China. Trust me, you want to listen to this. For today's show, I'm joined by Xin Yu in the studio and a new friend on the line. He's a Brooklyn-born ceramic artist who now lives in China's Jingdezhen, the world-famous porcelain capital. He himself is a living example of how cultural exchange benefit people's lives. He is Alan Dennis Neymark, or he prefer as his Chinese name Ni Deming or Xiaoming. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the show. Now. Grab your virtual compass and follow us to the heart of the discussion. For those who listen to Roundtable quite so much, you might be familiar with the line, "Welcome to Roundtable, where East meets West, and、mm -hmm. understanding is the goal." And that is perhaps our principle, our aim. That is to bring people from different backgrounds together and share our views about different things. And today, we are very happy to welcome someone that is doing that all by himself. He's <laughs> from the West, having that background, and moving to actually living in. So many different places in the world, and now here in China, living in Jingdezhen, pursuing his life of being a great artist, and I think he's doing a really good job. So, hello, Dennis. Very happy to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Do you mind giving us an introduction about yourself and about your experience, or how come you're here in China and learning about ceramics, something that I think a lot of Chinese do not know the beauty of, or at least do not understand the technique behind this special art? Ah,、uh, sure. So I've been making ceramics since I was eight years old,、um, and I studied under Al Shalef, who is a prominent ceramic artist in the United States. Um, reason I got into ceramics and eventually ended up in doing the jump is because this was my favorite hobby、um, as a kid, and then、um, I pursued it、uh, in my undergraduate、uh, career. Later on, my undergraduate career,、uh, and eventually I got a master's degree、uh, here at、uh, Jingzhen Ceramics Institute.、Um, it was always a kind of、um, relaxing. Um, fun thing for me to do, and the wide variety of materials and、um, colors and techniques、uh, involved always provided、uh, me with new fun things to explore. Yeah, I mean, I understand for a lot of people actually. We would consider Jingdezhen as the porcelain capital, but that is quite from an outsider's view. From you as an insider, do you think that name is justified? What has kept you in Jingdezhen for so many years? What's the attraction? Jingdezhen is undoubtedly、um, one of the major ceramic centers in the world.、Um, I would argue it's probably、uh, the most significant. For for starters, this is where. Um, it all began. This is where、uh, high fire porcelain really、um, became industrialized. This is where、um, the first royal、uh, kilns, well, imperial kilns, were.、Um, and、uh, 
actually a uh, funny historic anecdote. The name China comes from the old name of this city, which was Changnan, uh, which was uh, uh, corrupted, I guess, for us uh, Westerners to be able to pronounce it. But yeah. Yeah, I can also add a bit of history background of um, Jingdezhen, also it's ceramic craftsmanship. Um, actually, we call it the porcelain capital and the history of its ceramic craftsmanship can date back to like 2000 years. And also Jingdezhen is now standing as China's only national ceramic culture inheritance and innovation pilot zone with an extensive network of supply chains. And there are more than 30,000 like in Chinese Jingpiao or migrants who come here to Jingdezhen to pursue their dreams in the ceramic art. And at its peak, there were an estimated like 5,000 foreign artists or Yang Jingpiao in Chinese living and working in Jingdezhen. So the city uh, really boasts thousands of ceramic enterprises and more than um, hundreds and thousands of self-employed ceramic practitioners actually here in Jingdezhen. And you've also talked about the Jingdezhen Ceramic Institute. And each year, we're also seeing a lot of foreign students. They're coming to Jingdezhen to learn this, this special art form. So that's kind of um, also interesting to point it out. Mm. And if I'm not being too practical and too down to earth, speaking this to an artist, actually, according to Tao Xichuan Ceramic Art Avenue, a giant ceramic art base in Jingdezhen, it had 6,000 merchants and 10,000 livestream hosts as of February 2023. And in 2021, it recorded sales of 3.0 billion yuan, that is around over 400 million US dollars. So mm -hmm. quite a lot of money. Yeah. And that's the scale of this place. People come here, they started to learn uh, and also communicate with each other and make a living as well. Something in my opinion, very important. But again, I do not know whether it's the opinion of an artist. But I was wondering, have you encountered some friends from different countries in Jingdezhen learning the same technique with you? Have you made some friends here in China as well? Yeah, there's um, a wide variety of foreigners uh, that end up coming here, uh, mostly study short term, but whoever comes once ends up coming back uh, many more times in the future. So um, there's this kind of uh, international community of people who drop by for uh, a couple of weeks or a couple of months uh, a year. And uh, um, yeah, I've met people from literally all over the world who are all connected by this one special thing, and that's porcelain. Mm. Um, that is a quite interesting expression, a international community in Jingdezhen, because I myself have the experience of living in another country. Uh. And um, it's like when you're in that place, you would definitely be um, enjoying a relatively much more immersive experience. You would learn about yeah. local life. You would learn about how local people think, how they talk, how they live their lives. And also, if it's a, like you said, international community, you would also be able to talk to each other and learn from each other. And I was wondering, in Jingdezhen, what do you find most, maybe not significant, but surprising that you have never anticipated before you come here? Mm, well, at this point, I don't find anything surprising. I've uh, lived here. Yeah, I've lived here full time for uh, eight and a half years. And uh, my first visit was a decade ago. So. Yeah, uh, when I first came, the city was quite different. The uh, economic development in this past uh, decade has been phenomenal. Actually, the city has uh, grown both in scale and prosperity. The surrounding areas have also been developed. So uh, yeah, there's been quite an economic boom over here, partially driven by Tao Shishuan, partially driven by a renewed interest in uh, traditional crafts and partially driven by consumers uh, wanting more fashionable products in their homes. 
Yeah, like you said, you've been there for eight years. So, do you see within this period of time there has there been any kind of improvement or let's say evolving when it comes to Jingdezhen attracting more international students and scholars and artists? What has Jingdezhen done, and or maybe something that's been changing in this period of time that you've noticed? Uh, the main difference uh, really is the amount of in infrastructure that has been added. There's been a vast network of uh, new roads, um, which have made uh, travel within the city much more convenient and travel to nearby uh, destinations, for example, uh, Fulang or Sambal or Yaoni. Um, it's become a lot more accessible. Uh, that and uh, I guess this is old news already, but uh, when the um, high-speed uh, rail line was built, that made it very easy for people from Shanghai, from big cities, to come here, hop over for a weekend, uh, explore some markets, buy some stuff, and then go right back. Uh, before, it was kind of complicated to get here. So, yeah, really, the added infrastructure has... Uh, created a tremendous uh, boom in the local economy. Mm, I think it, it's quite an experience to actually witness the whole development paths of this small town in the past few years uh, firsthand, I mean, um, especially for foreigners living in a completely different country. It's just reminded of me being in another country as well, like Niu Niu mentioned. Before I went to the UK, I think I had this stereotypical images of how British people were, you know, <laughs> according to my research back then, I think some, a lot of people say British people are reserved and they talk a lot about weather and they bring their <laughs> umbrella wherever they go. And actually, when I stayed there for like less than a year and I actually spent time with people surrounding me and I realized what you have heard about what British people were like before you actually go there are just one-sided story. It's far from the whole picture and stereotypes sometimes are oversimplified and so generalized that can lead to misunderstandings and also biases. They cannot accurately represent the diversity and also the complexity of any culture. So that's what I got from my experience of living in another country. So I think that can also be the case for Dennis, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, to some degree, yes. But also uh, keep in mind that my first visit to China was uh, in 2008, and I had been coming back regularly, um, probably once every two years uh, or so I would come, and I would stay for a couple months at a time. So that, and also my dad is a Silk Road scholar, so I, I think I had a pretty comprehensive uh, you were not surprised. <laughs> you know a lot, and you did your research. I understand that. And actually, same or similar observations are made by a lot of different people, a group of people. Actually, we know the Philadelphia Orchestra in November 2023. Uh, this American Symphony Orchestra is visiting China to commemorate the 50th anniversary of its first tour of the country. And 14 musicians from the orchestra are returning to China with performances scheduled in in Beijing, Tianjin, Suzhou, and Shanghai. What's so impressed about this is that during this period of time, this 50-year period of time, they have been actually visited China for, um, they have actually visited China for 12 times. So this is the 12th time and they've seen everything. I mean, from the very beginning when the country was not that developed, when people wearing similar style of clothes I and mean, fashion <laughs> was not a huge thing for people back then. They were really similar clothes walking on the street. And I think for a brief period of time, people consider China as the bicycle country because a lot of people use bicycles to, you know, uh, commute around. And then they started to come back around 10 years later and they realized that, huh, a lot more buildings are made, but they can still see people working or farming actually in the land on the side of the street. And that's still what they're looking at. But again, 12 times in 50 years, they started to notice the change in people's lifestyle. They started to, in a short, brief period of time, complaining about the bad air quality 
gladly that's being changed <laughs> and improved for today's. And then when they come back this time. Of course, they are very impressed about the beautiful blue sky, about the skyscrapers all around the city, different cities, and the change, the development of the city. And that's the beauty of, in my opinion, cultural exchange. You go to a place, you leave an impression. Well, the place leave an impression to you, and then after a while, when you come back, when the same group of people come back, they. Are the best witness of how the change the city has made, how people's life have changed, and that is well for them. I believe it's quite a good experience.、Mm, yeah, and also this year we're seeing quite a few international art troops. They're coming to China and to bring out their best performances, like the Philadelphia Orchestra that you just mentioned. We also are welcoming the American Ballet Theater. This is one of the greatest dance companies in the world, and it's returning to China in this November for the first time in a decade.、Um, the performances will be carried out in Beijing and Shanghai, and I think these tours really mark a revival of cultural exchanges between China and the U.S. and also not just the U.S. part. China's Central Conservatory of Music Symphony Orchestra is also going to the U.S. to New York City at the Carnegie Hall to. Bring out their performance, so that's I think it's a good sign of we are having this kind of cultural exchanges, especially after we just endure that dreadful period of COVID. That's true. So, Dennis, are you a fan of music? Oh, absolutely. I love classical music.、Um, yeah, I, I'm actually the only non-music、uh, capable person in my family. So、uh, don't say that. <laughs> you appreciate music. That works too. <laughs> yeah, I I could sing. But they can all play musical instruments. My brother went to a special musical school of、uh, America in Manhattan. My mom can play a bunch of instruments. My dad、uh, plays guitar and sings. Yeah, I I don't know、uh, how it ended up、uh, being that way, but I was always more into art, and、uh, I love music.、Um, it motivates me a lot to create, but、uh, I'm not very gifted in that. No, it's fine. I mean, I understand. I don't play any music, but I can definitely appreciate them. And the thing is,、um, while you are, let's say, living in another country for, like your case, more than eight years,、yeah. you are definitely exposed to the culture, to the art performances in that country. So, have you, let's say, appreciated or attend any kind of Chinese、uh, performances, concerts, any of this sort? And do you notice any? Not to say difference, but anything that, in particular, you think worth mentioning.、Uh, yeah, I've、um, participated in a lot of performances too, generally as、uh, background roles. But、uh, um, yeah, very much、um, enjoy putting on traditional Chinese clothing and uh, uh, joining all the sorts of activities. Yeah, because I feel like art is the universal language,、yeah. and when we say art in general, it's not only music; it's also like ceramic art or painting or any kind and sort of artsy expression that expresses the feeling and the understanding of the world by the artist himself or herself. So it's more of a very personal but very powerful way of. Showcasing your understanding, your beliefs to the world. So you're studying and also working in Jingdezhen, and you have been interacted and cooperate with many different artists from both China, U.S., and also all different countries. And do you agree with that? First of all, a statement that I just made, <laughs> and also what do you notice? Let's say, what are some Let's say characteristics or some certain kind of styles that you've picked up in Jingdezhen.、Um, so let me address it、uh, this way: the vast majority of、uh, what we know about ceramic processes, materials, etc., all comes from here. And、uh, yes, it was、uh, taken and changed and developed by different countries, different people all over the world. But eventually, all these techniques、uh, can trace their Way back directly here. So yeah, I pick up、uh, bits from everybody that comes through that、uh, is willing to share, and I'm constantly learning new things、uh, about ceramics, whether it be carving techniques or 
innovative uh, underglaze, uh, overglaze, uh, or uh, glaze uh, coloration, whether it be different types of firings. There's uh, an enormous amount of knowledge uh, to be learned, and uh, it's very much reliant on this uh, international exchange. Mm. On top of the knowledge you've just mentioned, actually, some people would also argue that in Jingdezhen, you'd be able to learn a lot of even historic uh, knowledge and facts about China through the development of porcelain. Is that the case for you? Uh, absolutely. Here we have such a rich uh, history um, of ceramics. We have uh, a this city absolutely brimming with museums and galleries and markets of antiques, and really anywhere uh, you can dig along the riverbank, you'll find ancient uh, kiln sites that have just been sitting there for a thousand years, uh, uh, mainly untouched, because this entire valley has been uh, the area of uh, uh, porcelain production for yeah, a millennium. Yeah, I've actually been there. I've visited oh, really? Jingdezhen myself. And yes, the clean sites are amazing. I mean, they're huge and you put like hundreds of different porcelain that you've just made inside and you have to control the level of heat by mm-hmm. putting them into the right, right places because on the one side or on the one end, you would start the fire and start heating everything. Mm-hmm. And the temperature would gradually lower when it's a little bit far away from the fire area, but you cannot actually adjust any of the arrangements of the porcelain. You have to put them in and seal the clean, and that's it for several days or even um, more than, let's say, dozen of days. Weeks, yes. And you have to... Two weeks, right. You have to carefully design where to put everything, and you have to keep the temperature by adding wood. Is that what you still do into the clean? Um, So... There are different types of kilns. I don't, uh, I personally don't wood fire. Um, Thank you for taking over. (laughs) Uh, What I do is uh, electric firings or um, occasionally gas firings. Uh, But yes, traditional wood fire ceramics requires a uh, very uh, long process. um, And it's the mastery of how the flames move within the kiln, how that uh, wood ash is deposited on the pieces the subtle fluctuations in temperature, all this, that's what uh, makes the process so fascinating and in a way also very unforgiving. You have to really uh, know what you're doing in order to successfully fire something. And um, think about it this way, in uh, a traditional style um, long wood fire kiln, you might have uh, 10,000 pieces all in the same firing made by hundreds of masters over the course of uh, many months. Um, If anything goes wrong, if the temperature um, is a bit too high, it can all melt. If the temperature uh, is too low, then you've wasted all that uh, uh, enormous amount of uh, wood because you'll have to refire it um, to get to the right temperature for the uh, porcelain to vitrify. Yeah, Mm. that's what I witnessed and learned (laughs) there. Yes, thank you for explaining it much more clear. (laughs) And I think even for me, it's something fascinating. So I can only imagine for those who have a true passion about ceramics making and also this art, they would find the place quite attractive. So I guess I dare to say that ceramic art plays a role in enhancing cultural exchanges in this sense. Uh, I personally haven't been to Jingdezhen, but after hearing what you guys just said, I really want to pay a visit there sometime in the future. And also, I think, uh, like Nunu just said, you have to be dedicated in this art, you know, to make the ceramic artworks. So out of my personal curiosity, I also wonder, Dennis, where do you get these inspirations for your artworks? Uh, Most of my inspiration comes directly from nature. So the main uh, themes I use in my artwork uh, would be animals, uh, plants, uh, microorganisms from the ocean, from the forest. And these are things that I love. I've, uh, I grew up by the sea. I was always uh, swimming on the beach in Brooklyn looking for all the different fascinating crabs and shrimp and uh, 
fish, mollusks, uh, you name it. And uh, my other favorite pastimes would be hiking and uh, dirt biking in the forest. So I, I'm always, I'm really a nature boy. And when I see something I like, I'm, I'm always also watching TV programs about uh, creatures in the deepest part of the ocean or in remote jungles, uh, etc. Things that I wouldn't have the chance to see in person. Um, but I draw inspiration from all these uh, little bits. Well, it's the hour of roundtable with myself, Niu Honglin, Xing Yu, and Alan Dennis Neymark, or Ni De Ming, his Chinese name. In the second half, we'll continue our discussion about the cooperation between the youth from both China and the United States. Stay tuned. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Niu Honglin, sitting in for He Young, joined by Xin Yu and Alan Dennis Neymark, Ni De Ming from online. Coming up on the second half of the show, we'll continue our discussion about Ni De Ming's experience here in China as an American artist and also a lot of different cooperation projects between China and the United States as well as other countries. And we have something special prepared for you. Yu Shun has visited NYU Shanghai and have talked to many interesting people. He brings his very own radio documentary about his one-day trip in NYU Shanghai. You have to listen to this. Now, the discussion continues. So, Dennis, now I'm going to ask you a question that is a little bit, you know, bigger. Um, how do you envision the future of cultural exchange between China and the U.S., especially in the realm of ceramic art? Because you're there, you're in the heart, and you're communicating and you're cooperating with top-notch artists in this area from all around the world. So what is your view for the future? Right now, there's been a... The influx of uh, people working in uh, 3D printing, ceramic 3D printing. There's uh, been a lot of new work done with uh, all sorts of uh, glazes using innovative uh, materials to grow larger, more beautiful crystals to give more vibrant color palettes to create various uh, drip and uh, more solid uh, glaze effects. There's been an incredible amount of uh, research done both in China and uh, in the U.S. And uh, these things uh, tend to meet at, for example, the World Ceramics Expo that's held here every year in uh, in the fall. It just it just passed actually. It's uh, something that can be readily seen in the universities here in the material science departments. Mm. You mentioned university. Actually, I would have to argue education has played a significant role in China-U.S. cultural exchanges. So, Xingyu, uh, can you share some key milestones in this area, particularly in establishing joint research universities or, you know, other kind of examples you'd like to mention about the cooperation in the area of education? Yeah, over the past decades, we have seen schools that are jointly established by Two countries, China and the U.S., um, including NYU Shanghai that oh, you've I've been just there. made a visit there. It was established by New York University and East China Normal University in 2012. And also we have Duke Kunshan University. It's a sister institution of Duke University located in Kunshan in eastern China's Jiangsu province. Uh, and, and also established nearly around the same time as the NYU Shanghai. It's a U.S.-China partnership between Duke University and Wuhan University. And the other day, I just came across an article on businessinsider.com. It's written by an author named Claudine Hanani, and she wrote about sending her daughter actually to Duke Kunshan University, despite they have no connection at all in China. And whenever <laughs> she tells people that, yeah, she sent her daughter to China to for higher education, and they would ask, why China of all of these places? And she said that she hoped the experience of studying in China can profoundly change her daughter's worldview, you know, get a new outlook on the world. And actually, for especially for college students, these 
three or four years can be a time to build empathy, to value diversity and form a set of beliefs that are actually based on your own personal experience. And on the other hand, it's also a good opportunity to learn Mandarin in China. So, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's uh, part of the reasons. And after spending some time in China, her daughter actually said she liked China quite much because their uh, Chinese cities are brimming with culture and also she's quite impressed by the advanced technologies here in China. And also, apart from these two China-US joint universities, we also have Tianjin Julier School, which can be a good example of um, having like importing the New York's Juilliard School to China in the city just nearby Beijing. That's a very interesting thing because when I was in NYU Shanghai, ah. one of their teachers, professors said that the reason that students feel very much welcomed in the university mm. and love the experience is because they don't veal Chinese students as Chinese students. They don't veal students from the United States as American students. Mm. They just see them as students. Yeah. They treat them the same way. You have to speak English. You have to do your essays <laughs> in English. It's just basically an American school. It's just in China. It's, it happens to be in Shanghai. But in my opinion, if I'd like to study in a university in an overseas country, I would love to be immersed in the local mm. environment, in the local culture. I'd like to talk to local people. I'd like to know what is their history, what makes them who they are. So what is your view on that? Because you've been living in China and uh, the similar experience. How do you strike a balance? I mean, I'm fully immersed in the life here. I, uh, <laughs> I'm used to the rhythm um, of life in, uh, in Jingguzhen. It's kind of peculiar. I guess it's uh, similar to, say, in parts of Spain uh, or Italy, they would have uh, around lunchtime, two hours when everybody rests. Uh, same exact situation here. So businesses aren't open. Everything's uh, shut down for about uh, from about noon to about two o'clock. Yeah, the the flow of life, the way that things um, happen, it's uh, it doesn't feel at all like the big cities where everything is uh, in a rush. Here, uh, kind of every ceramic master follows their own idea of uh, what they want to do. Sometimes that means uh, working for. Uh, uh, two weeks straight, not leaving the studio, uh, sleeping a couple hours a night and ordering in uh, noodles. And sometimes that means uh, coming in for four or five hours, making some stuff and then saying, ah, you know what, today I'm uh, going to go hang out and uh, drink tea at a friend's studio instead of working. And that's totally fine. Yeah, but I have to admit the fact is that through all these years, mm -hmm. uh, the Sino-US relationship has experienced ups and downs. Um, there were a period of time where we we're very close. There are a lot of different cultural activities and exchanges that you can participate, different symposium, different conferences. But there was a period of time that it's not that, let's say, close. And uh, without all these or at least so many different cultural activities, let alone the effect of the global pandemic mm -hmm. that has made things, I would say, much worse. But with the pandemic, well, turning the page of the pandemic, and we are looking at a, in my opinion, much optimistic future. First of all, I want to ask Dennis, do you think the ups and downs in the two-country relationship has affected your life personally? And second of all, do you have the similar belief as I do, that things are definitely moving to a brighter direction. It's uh, affected me somewhat, but uh, probably not as heavily as others. After all, artists are insulated from a lot of international politics because we're all in this uh, sort of closed community where everybody knows each other, where everyone is more concerned with the quality of the artwork uh, or the ideas behind the artwork than they are with uh, whatever's going on uh, in the big world out there. Um, but as to the future, I'm not so certain which direction everything will go because we're also uh, seeing an ecological catastrophe unfolding right now. And um, I think that's going to put a lot of uh, strain on all global economies um, as well. So we'll see how that expresses itself. 
Yeah, we'll see. And another point I like to make here is that while I was doing research about this topic, I realized that there's a fun concept about sister cities and sister provinces. That is the kind of mechanism or kind of framework we have between two cities or province or states of two countries that they can collaborate and communicate and have exchange activities on their level. So, Xingyu, tell us more about this framework. Yeah, um, back in 1979, so it's when the two countries formally established diplomatic relationship, they have began this sister city mechanism between China and the U.S. So the first pair of sister cities are the Chinese city of Nanjing and the U.S. city of St. Louis. And since then, the number of sister cities between the two countries have grown and they have become an irreplaceable way of enhancing uh, mutual understanding and friendship between the two countries. And so far, there have been 284 pairs formed. I think in many ways, they have engaged in this close cooperation over the past decades, such as cultural exchanges and tourism and commerce, and also in disaster mitigation, such as the COVID-19. I think I heard about the news that during the COVID, Nanjing sent thousands of masks to the sister city of St. Louis during this difficult time. And also they are cooperating to tackle the sustainable issues and also cybersecurity and sports and many other aspects. Yeah, both mm. of you actually have mentioned the ecological changes and uh, actually climate anxiety started to become a real thing, especially among the young communities, international communities. People, especially young people, concerned about the climate, about the ecological situation. And I feel like that is also a very important area that people from all around the world can cooperate, can mm. work together. And I know, Dennis, you care a lot about the ecological protection and also many, even some of your works are inspired by it. Uh, that's right. Most of my work uh, includes uh, some already extinct or endangered uh, species. And I really hope to preserve the kind of feeling of the ecosystems that I use as inspiration in my artwork so that in the best scenario, people seeing this artwork will be inspired to preserve everything and it will be a success. And in the worst case scenario, if these uh, ecosystems collapse, there'll be some sort of record of the feeling of it in the public art. Yeah. Mm. And um, the last question I have to ask Dennis here is that you've been here in China for eight years. For those who are from the same country or a similar cultural background of yours that have never been to China, they might have some misunderstanding or misconception about the country. So is there anything you want to say to them or do you encourage them to come? I think the easiest thing to do is just uh, come and see everything with your own two eyes and dive into the culture uh, experience it for yourself. Because uh, whatever you see in movies and media and uh, music, it's not going to be the full picture and very often it's going to be serving uh, somebody's uh, particular needs for how they want to portray a place. So, yeah, it's uh, firsthand experience is irreplaceable. Mm, firsthand experience, irreplaceable. Mm, I like that. That's well said. Yeah. And I know, again, there were good, really good times and there were not that sweet times. But from an individual perspective, individual level, actually, it's our own decision. And I feel like, especially for um, my friends that I've been talking to for all these years, I feel like the exchange between young people in both countries have never stopped. We have mm. always been talking to each other. We have always been welcoming each other. And that hopefully the scale would be bigger and the topics would expand. And hopefully we would be able to appreciate and benefit from all of this. You're listening to Roundtable. Many thanks to Xingyu and our special guest today, Alan Dennis Neymark, Ni Deming, for joining the show. It's been a pleasure talking about these interesting topics with both of you. Coming up next, Yu Shun's one-day tour in NYU Shanghai. Stay tuned. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable. Where East meets West, and understanding is the goal.
Welcome back to Roundtable. I'm Yeo Honglin. The Roundtable team has recently visited Shanghai and was very much impressed, especially by the dynamic campus of NYU Shanghai, where the best of American-style education meets the bustling metropolis of the city. In this immersive exploration, Yu Shun delves into the experiences of students hailing from both China and U.S. as they navigate their path towards a promising future. And Yu Shun brings his experience to the show. Hello, everyone. I am Yu Shun. Right now, I'm standing at the gate of New York University Shanghai, which is China's first Sino-U.S. joint venture university. So, are you curious about? What is it like to attend a foreign university without going out of China, or what are some must-see places on this campus? So come and join us for a feel of passionate vibe of learning in this international environment. So without further ado, let's go and check it out. A place for students to rest and study can always be a popular spot on any campus. So here we are at the John Sexton Bridge, on which students can enjoy the view and talk about their homework. Do you think the name of the bridge sounds like a person's name? Yes, John Saxton is also the emeritus of NYU, and he also laid the foundation for NYU Shanghai. Hi, Hi excuse me. Oh, thank you. So, uh, what's your name, by the way? Hi, my name is Peiro. Peiro. Hi, I'm Yu Shun. So you are a student here, right? Yes, I am currently a senior here. Oh, great. So, how's studying in NYU Shanghai so far? I think studying here is very unique. For yeah. example, I don't have to choose a major before I come oh. here. So、mm -hmm. I actually switched a lot about my major, and then I think studying here is a very fulfilling experience because、mm. you get to encounter people from all over the world. Wow! Oh, so you know you can get a sense of diversity even before you get into the college. Yeah,、right? absolutely. Ah,、uh, so um, and then, so do you have any? Ideas about why did you choose this school?、Uh, I actually don't remember that clearly、yeah. <laughs> because I've already been here for four years.、Uh -huh. But、um, actually, reflecting back, I think、uh, what was really appealing is that、uh, this NYU Shanghai project was、yeah. very, very unique to me. Right. It was the first joint venture research university、mm. between the U.S. and China. And、uh, it's all、uh, American education, but situated in the heart of Shanghai. So、right. it's something very special for me, and I wanted to take that、uh, chance to explore what it、mm. has to offer.、Mm. So, are, are you working on something? Because I think this is a great place for study, yeah, right? Really, it, it is.、Uh, we have all kinds of. Uh, free spaces for students to study on campus, and、mm -hmm. I just found that、yeah. today、uh, the lighting here is really、right. good, and the mood here is very good here. Right, right. Thank you.、Um, I will not bother you anymore. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. A stage for students to showcase their creativity and ideas is absolutely what creative students crave for. So here we are at the IMA Interactive Media Art Spaces, where students can work on their own masterpieces. Hi. Excuse me. Hi.、Uh, what's your name? Um, my my name is Ninj. Hi, Ninj. Ah,、uh, I'm Yu Shun. Okay. So you are currently working on your project, right? Mhm.、Mm、yeah. So what kind of project you're working on? So this project, this piece actually, I'm reading, made、um, made right now is、uh, for trash fashion show for my IMA、mm -hmm. um, show. Yeah. Oh, trash fashion show. I heard about that.、Mm -hmm. That was quite popular, right? So trash fashion show. Um, the name is quite like unique, but it's basically you create clothes piece、mm. using、um, recycled products.、Uh, so this one is from like、um, canned rains,、mm -hmm. and then these all these fabrics are from the the space,、huh. the students leftover fabrics. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you are actually like recycling these kind of called portable、mm -hmm. trash into fashion. Yeah, actually, this is my design、uh -huh. that I'm. Trying to make.、And、yeah. This one is the necklace that goes here.、Mm. Yeah. So,、um, what about the you know the initial idea of this event? You、mm. know, turning trash into fashion. I think the main goal is to make others to also like try themselves.、Mm. So, I mean, making the all these clothes is like hard, but these the small accessories are、mm -hmm. easy for make、uh, for others to make. Right. Yeah. Oh, can you show us around this space? Because I think there are so many things that we could. See and、um, they look very interesting.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure.、Um, I saw we have a laser machine right there, right?、Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can we 
go check go that out. So these are the laser cutting machines and mm -hmm. these are the 3D printers. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you can also use these props into your design. Yeah, we can use this for design and also for art classes. Mm -hmm. For example, this, these pieces. Oh. oh, yeah, this is the logo of NYU Shanghai. Yeah, students are allowed to use, make any designs. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so here are the sewer machines. Yeah, here you can put together your fabrics mm -hmm. and make a clothing. Yeah. This is the machine that I'm currently working on. Okay. Uh, can I try it on a little bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Have you ever worked? With no, to be honest. Um, how do I, I need to like yeah. step on this, right? Yeah, but first, uh -huh. let's put the fabric here. Mm -hmm. And then you have to put this one down mm -hmm. here. Oh. And then now you can I, just press that one. Th this one? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Ooh. And when you push this one, uh, it's a reverse. reverse. And then move. So this is going to be my first art piece then. Looks good. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to the patterns. Um, and I noticed there are some dresses. They, they look like trash fashion. Oh yeah, these are actually designs made by students and from the last semester. Oh. At the end of after we're making all these stuff, we can we have like a fashion show. Mm, like yeah. a runway. Yeah, runway. We have our models, we have the music and uh, all things. Oh, look at these. Oh, these are the takeout packages, right? Yeah, these are the YMI packages. Ah, uh, it looks cute. Yeah. I think the fashion show is going to be amazing because with all of these, you know, dresses and the designs. Mm -hmm. Oh, and this one, uh, bubble wrap and newspaper. Yeah, it's just... Creativity. Yeah. Can it? Can I actually try it on? Maybe. Yeah, you can try it on. Yeah. How do I look? Looks good. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Some people's trash can be some people's treasure. Yeah, definitely. Right. That's like the aim, like the main goal of mm -hmm. the trash fashion show. Yeah, I think um, your project is also going to, you know, doing great, and um, we're very looking forward to your trash fashion show. Thank you. I'm at the calm corner. So as you can see, students can lie down here, relax, and read books. And we're very happy to have Curly. Curly, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Yes. Hi. Welcome to the Calm Corner. Thank you. My name is Carly. I'm the health promotion specialist here, working as part of the Student Health Center team. And I'm very happy to offer this unique, special, and much needed and very popular space on campus for oh, students yeah. to relax, take a break and practice self-care. Hmm. So what exactly can students do here in this space? Yeah, well, for the most part, the Calm Corner is open as a drop-in space where students can come and, as you see, use a yeah. variety of materials that we have to de-stress, mm. take a break, relax. Um, we have some creative opportunities mm. like drawing, Oh, like coloring, drawing. right. I remember that was very popular because people are saying that, you know, the process of coloring can be very th therapeutic. Yes, right? yeah. Some students find it really helpful to just take a break from academic stress and pressure. Mm. Um, we also have some little toys and materials mm. to play with. We also have books to read for students. Um, and it's also a place where students are welcome to just relax, mm. um, do some self-reflection or meditation. Right. Um, listen to music or do mm. something that they choose that helps yeah. them relieve stress and pressure. Yeah, I can feel that this space is really comfortable to, you know, do everything that they want. Yeah. And I was thinking, um, what if that, you know, students now, they probably have a lot of pressure and they're probably suffering kind of, you know, anxiety and can they get any professional help from here? Yeah, absolutely. So just on the other side of the hallway from this space, we mm. have our Student Health Center, where we offer free professional counseling mm. with a team of wellness counselors to talk with students who are experiencing stress or anxiety or other you know, factors that they want some support. Right. We also have doctors and nurses on campus to provide medical oh. support. Yeah. And one more thing that we offer in the Calm Corner space is um, 
occasional workshops um, oh. for students to get some extra skills around stress and anxiety. And we also host a meditation group in here two times per week. So oh. students can come and participate in guided wow. meditation for yeah. additional relaxation. Yeah, I've been always thinking about joining a meditation session. It's very popular on campus, and I've been very happy to host um, many students over the course of several years that we've had meditation mm. and mindfulness practice groups here. I think students find it really, really beneficial to yeah. learn some of these skills that they can use in their daily life. Yeah. Well, thank you, and um, maybe next time I can try more a little bit about this. You're welcome anytime. Thank you so much. So here I am at the Center for Career Development and let's go see what they can do. Hi. Oh, hi. How can I help you? Oh, hi. Um, are you a student here? Actually, I'm a student worker. I'm working here. Oh, you're working here. So um, can I ask you a few questions about yeah, this sure. place a little bit? Oh, by the way, what's your name? Uh, my name's Yu Fengxu. You can also call me Felix. Oh, hi, Felix. I'm Yu Shun. Hi, Yu Shun. Yeah. So um, basically, you also study here and you yeah. work here. Um, so what do you think students can do here in this, you know, Center for Career Development? Um, I think on the one hand, we offer a lot of resources, both physical resources, like, oh. like I have here, we have resume guide, oh. cover letter guide, and some interview guide, and also we have a oh. more general student guide, and some digital resources online uh, in our websites. And mm. on the other hand, we offer a lot of resources, services by our career coaches, including working hours, and uh, um, like some more in-depth half an hour career coaching. Oh, so like students can actually get some training related to workplace. Yeah. Right. Or can they get anything about their career planning? Uh, sure, Just definitely. From these curriculums, right? Yeah. Like if you don't have a very clear career goal, you can just have a chat with our career coaches mm. and try to um, locate your career interests. Mm. Oh, I heard that this is quite popular recently. It's called Life Coach, right? So they also kind of do that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so um, what do you think, you know, because you study here, right? Um, that kind of uh, learning experience of both Chinese and Western can c contribute to your, you know, career planning. I would not say our uh, learning experience is both Chinese and Western here because mm -hmm. our chancellor once emphasized that we do not offer a combination of American and Chinese education, but we offer more global education. Ah. So I have a, a professors and classmates from all over the world. So in class, I will be exposed to all kinds of ideas from like very different perspectives mm. that I never thought of before. Oh. And as for career development, I think mm. after receiving this education, I have a more critical and more compatible mind that can make me or make our students succeed both at home and abroad. Mm, right. So the process is actually, you know, the benefits that you gain from this, you know, learning experience, right? Yeah. Mm. So I hope you will do great, um, you know, no matter it's during your academic study or after graduation. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And that is our trip around NYU Shanghai, where the spirit of cooperation between the East and the West comes to life. I believe you have also witnessed the fusion of two cultures in the heart of one remarkable city. The symbol of collaboration and diversity has also accelerated the cooperation between different cultures. I hope you enjoy the tour, and if you want more, don't forget to follow us and subscribe. I am Yixun. We will see you next time. That brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Until next time, keep the conversations going and the ideas flowing. I'm Niu Honglin. Bye for now.